Welcome to the Agape in Action podcast, a podcast about genuine compassion and justice for our neighbors near and far. A relevant conversation that will challenge the way you embrace the life you were meant to live. Now, here are your hosts, Holly Flood and Robbie Jones. Well, hello and welcome to Agape in Action. I am Holly. And I'm Robbie. And it is always so good to have you with us. So, Pastor Robbie, our word for today is help. Help. What comes to my mind, Holly, when I think about that is um, every one of us needs help. We need encouragement from one another. And um, don't be afraid to ask for help. That's probably one of the most difficult things for a lot of people. It is. um, Because it means you're vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. But, you know... A lot of times it, being vulnerable is better than the alternative. It is. I think. And, you know, I remember when I was in high school, I think it was one of the, the things I remember from that was um, this quote that no man is an island to himself. And right. a lot of times we we need someone else to come in and be that help for us, just like sometimes people need us to be the help for them. So it's important. Um, help is an important word, whether you're the giver or the receiver. It's so true. I think sometimes you know pride gets in the way and we are ashamed that mm-hmm. we need help. I, I think a generation um, some time ago would look back and think that you are weak if you're asking for, for help. And truthfully, I hope those that are listening to us today, Holly, uh, recognize that every one of us you know, we need a God to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, we need family to step in oftentimes and help us. And I know what comes to my mind is I have, um, the only way I've gotten to the place I am that I'm living at right now is because people have reached out and helped me. And I hope to think that I have um, reached out and helped some people get places that maybe they wouldn't have gotten to without some of my help. So I think it's a great word, especially for our topic today and what we're talking about. And um, I think, you know, you and I can sit here today and we recognize there's a little bit of uh, solemnness to, you know, our voices and our hearts today because the topic of what we're talking about, uh, you know, suicide, it's never um, a bad thing to reach out and ask somebody for help. Yeah. So um, to what you were just saying, September is National Suicide Prevention Month. So we're going to be hearing a lot more this month about um, suicide prevention and awareness. And, you know, a few episodes back, we talked a little bit about um, suicide and depression and, and all of that. But we talked about it more so from the perspective of people in our congregation, the people who are sitting in our pews, who are visiting our churches, who are becoming members of our churches and being aware of what they may be going through. But one piece that we sort of didn't talk about that day and that um, that we're going to talk about today is when our pastors are actually the ones who are going through. I don't think we think about that. I don't think we, we realize that there are things that our pastors are actually going through every single day through their lives. And so we take that for granted and we expect them to be our support and to be our help, not realizing that sometimes they're the ones who are really crying out, um, who are really crying out for help. Pastor Andrew Steckline, who um, is with Inland Hills Church, um, it's been in the news quite a bit lately that um, he, he committed suicide. 
and um, left behind a beautiful you know, wife and children. Yeah. And I know one thing that I saw is that there were, um, I think there was a message not long ago that um, he, he spoke and that, you know, this sort of battle with anxiety and depression and the things that he was going through, that it was there and it was very, 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 very real. Yeah, first of all, his father had just died in 2015, cancer. He had had some surgeries himself, um, with masks removed from his chest. Um, he had battled kidney stones. Uh, I think I read where over 60 kidney stones. And, and I've watched um, my wife give birth twice, and I've watched my dad with kidney stones, and there's no comparison. I can tell you that is one of the most painful things that anyone goes through. And I think he had gone through so much um, physically that it began to affect him emotionally. And, um, and I think that we begin to realize that pastors are just people. Mm. They are. Um, and, I, and I'm speaking of myself. And, and I've been in ministry for over, over 35 years. And um, there are times that the pressure is great. Um, there's times that we rejoice and it's just wonderful to see what God is doing in the lives of your people. But it is a, um, you know, it, it's described as one of the most five most difficult jobs in, in the world, being uh, a leader of a church. And I think that we just need to recognize that pastors and uh, those that are called into ministry are, are people just like everybody else. You know, what you just said um, made me think about an article I read on CBN.com. And there's a quote from... Um, Christ Church of Orlando lead pastor Paul Velo, who um, he posted this on his Facebook page. And um, we're going to talk about P Pastor Andrew a little bit more, but I do want to read this quote because it goes to exactly what you were just saying. He said, depression is real and pastors are not exempt or defective who experience it. In this generation, pastors are expected to be business savvy, Instagram quotable preaching celebrities, fully accessible, deeply spiritual, not too young, not too old. And if a pastor doesn't quite measure up to someone's expectation at any given moment, they are given a two out of five star rating on Google. Wow, we have reduced the ministry to star ratings on Google. That is powerful. It's a powerful it statement. It's, it's eye-opening what it is. I think one of the things that we recognize, we talked about this on the podcast before, Holly, is that, you know, social media and um, the internet is, is great in a lot of aspects. I mean, we get a chance to reach, communicate with thousands, really millions of people that otherwise we, uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to, to touch. But what it does, it does put us on the spotlight. You know, it puts us in a position where people are watching us, um, whether it's Facebook Live. Um, you know, I was astonished just to learn a couple of weeks ago that, you know, our Sunday morning service had a thousand hits um, where people outside of our church watched our service. And um, so I know some are going to love it, some are going to criticize it. And, um, you know, as you said, is that people, you know, they, they'll put a, you know, a star by your name whether they like you or they don't like you. And that's pressure. That is, that is a lot of pressure for um, a lot of people. And, um, you know, I think the key 
for, for me as I have read and I've listened and I've thought about this story, the key for me is that we just have to surround ourselves with people who um, will be honest with us and um, who also, they got our back and they encourage us. You know, I, I think that does take us to a, a good place in this conversation because, you know, you've been in ministry for 30 years. And you said that sometimes you have high days, you have low days. You know, I think the question is, one, how do you get through those low days when everybody expects you to be on a high? And then number two, and we can, you know, talk about that on the other side of it, for other people, for the members of your church, for your leadership team, for all those who are around you as a pastor, how can we better lift you up on those low days? I wish I could sit here and say, Here, here's a great formula to do it. Um, sometimes you just have to um, go to God and depend on, you know, that you are following the, the leading of the Spirit. And I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but the, the truth of it is, is that we have to get to a place that we are dependent on God. I think, I think sometimes, and I've, said, I've shared this with our staff, I think sometimes we feel like we can do Sunday morning with our eyes closed and, you know, we, we know what but, you know, buttons to push and those kinds of things. But it still comes down to a total dependence on God. I know for myself, understanding that I have been called. Because if I had not been called, I would have walked away a long time ago. But you know that you have a call in your life and that kind of gets you through the, the next day. Um, and then I think just having a support system, um, people who will hold you accountable, people who will lift you up. And uh, that support system is very, very important to me. I know for myself, I have uh, you know, a gentleman that I, I speak to often, and so I can let out my frustrations. And he gives me you know, input, he gives me insight, he uh, gives me encouragement. And so that kind of gets me through, um, you know, the, the low times, the low moments, the difficult de decisions. But, you know, that, that statement that you just read about being, you know, business savvy, you got to be good on Sunday morning in the pulpit, you know, you, you got to be good on social media. Um, all of that is true today. It, it, it is true. And, um, but we cannot make it without a good support system. Yeah, as you were saying this, I was thinking as someone who's in ministry leadership, but who's not a senior pastor. I think as I hear you and I read this statement, I'm thinking a lot of times we really do expect our pastors to be perfect. Right. More so our lead and senior pastors. And so I think there's a responsibility on our end to sort of take down that unrealistic expectation of perfection. And I, I, you know, I'm just thinking of conversations I've heard over the years. I've been in church since I was five years old. Just the statements that are made about pastors because they make one mistake. And there are things that we will tolerate from other people that we will not sort of, you know, be a little bit more, have more mercy for, you know, with our pastors. We expect them to never have a flaw, to never get anything wrong. And the minute that they do, we do make these comments online or in our conversations and things like that. We really do take that step back, right. I think. And we're no longer a support system. We're no longer an encouragement. We're no longer there. And it's not fair. 
I, I think that's what I'm thinking as I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking about this quote from this pastor. It is not fair. And I know there are instances. I know um, one and I, you can know, always talk about the interviews that I've done. There was one um, person that I interviewed and she and her husband had a huge church, I think, down in Florida. And her husband started dealing with some stuff. And what she asked the congregation to do and the church leadership was to allow her and her husband to step back right. just for a little while to give him time to get through um, what he was going through. And they didn't. They wanted their pastor, their senior lead pastor there every Sunday to build them up, encourage them to, you know, all of the other stuff that goes along with it. Well, he's now dead. Wow. A young man. They had a thriving ministry. They started out like with a tent ministry and really reaching out to the community. But because everybody had this perception of what he needed to continue to do, Nobody stopped and said, but what do we need to do for him? And and we pray. Yes, we need to, number one, be praying for our pastors. But number two, I think the same way we're sensitive to other people and what they may be going through, we have to have a sensitivity to our pastors and what they may be going through. And if certainly if your pastor or your pastor, pastor's wife says, you know what, we need to step back just for a short time to go through whatever we need to, to get back to where we need to be, be willing to say yes and get beyond what is that going to say? Because I'm sure it was more about what it would look like than it was about what was the most important thing. And in that moment, he was the most important thing. I think what comes to my mind is transparency. And it needs to happen from the pulpit all the way to the back row of the church. If we can ever get, and I think we've talked about this a little bit um, in our podcast in the past about really the image of church and what church has kind of been in the past. And really the millennials that are coming, I think a lot of what they're doing is they're tearing down some walls, peeling down some layers and letting people be real. And, And I just know, and I'm like you, Holly, I've grown up in church. You know, I was dedicated as a baby and was raised in the church that I'm now pastoring. And so when you begin to recognize and you look back, you know, pastors never wanted to see um, or demonstrate a weakness. And then you would see that carried out through the congregation is that no one in the church really wanted to recognize or to admit to, man, I'm in need. I've got a problem. And we got a problem. And I think what happened is that generations of that has been passed down. Well, then it's kind of come to a head is that people are really beginning to recognize, well, you know what? We all have problems. We all have needs. Um, You got to be transparent. I know one of the things that, um, you know, walking with some of my mentors and recognizing that they've had marital problems. They've had some very difficult times. They've had children who've been on drugs, and it kind of it came out. and And I know with with my mentors and looking at them and recognizing, you know what, the thing to do at this time is not to criticize, is not to abandon, but to run to their aid and to be a support system. And we're in the past, they would have quit. They would have walked away. They would have, you know, said, "I'm done with this. Um, I'm too embarrassed 
But, you know, what they, they, I think because of the support system they have, they, they realize it's not time to quit. It's time to be healed. It's time to be reconciled with, with you know, a spouse, um, with our families. And, get, and today, they are stronger than they've ever been. And their churches are thriving. And so I think that's the key for me is that you got to be transparent enough to say, I have a need. And that goes from the pulpit. And I think that's the greatest thing that, um, and, and going back to the story with Pastor Andrew, you know, the, the thing that really stood out for me is he stood up in front of his congregation and said, I'm having trouble. Yeah. And they had just given him a sabbatical. So he did walk away. He did. They did give him a break. You know, the unfortunate thing is that evidently there were some things that just he couldn't get past and um, he couldn't get the help that he needed or he didn't feel like he had the, the, uh, the help that he needed. And so I, I'm not sure why, but I do know this, and I've made this comment again on our podcast, is mental illness is a, is a real illness. It, it's as severe as cancer, as um, you know, diabetes, or any other disease that we can think of. And, you know, and when, if, our, if our pastor was diagnosed with cancer, if our pastor was diagnosed with um, you know, diabetes, we would make sure that they got every bit of care that they need. We've just not known what to do with mental illness. Yeah. And it is real. And because it is real, then what we need to do is we need to give them the support, get them the, the you know, emotional support, the, the medication that they need, whatever they need, and don't um, criticize and don't judge and let them get healed of this mental illness that people are going through. You know, we hear people often say, God, family, church. That's the order. I think we forget that our pastors are husbands and fathers and brothers and sons, you know, and, and um, moms and sisters and all of those those things. We forget that um, our senior pastors and our lead pastors are a mother or father to someone or a friend to someone or something beyond just being our pastors. And I think we need to go back and remember that sometimes when we get so because I keep think, rethinking this thing about the the reason that they're not able to be or not comfortable being transparent and doing some of the things we're talking about is because what is the response going to be from my congregation? What are people going to think about me? Are they going to think I don't have as much faith and I don't have this and I don't have that? And I know um, Rick Warren went through this when his son um, committed suicide, you know, some years ago. Right. But we we go through we we put these perspectives and perceptions and labels on our leaders and forget that before all of that, there is God, they're God's son or daughter. Before we even get to church, there's somebody's spouse or some or a parent or something like that. And then we get to the church and they're our pastor, but they belong to someone else who loves them. And I want to, as I'm talking about that, I'm thinking about um, Pastor Andrew's wife. And she penned a letter that's, um, that's online now that she wrote to her husband three days after he was gone. And I just want to read a little bit of that because when we think about this, this reading her letter 
for me, put everything in perspective. You're my pastor, you're Pastor Robbie, but you're still Pastor Lynn's husband. You're still your father's son. You're still your two daughters' father and your grandchildren's grandfather. And so I think when we can almost personalize them beyond this is my pastor and this is what I expect him to do for me or for the other people on the pew with me, I think we can begin to see them, like you said, as being human and being imperfect. I think the key for me, Holly, before you read that, is that, you know, we've got to get to a place, and pastors, and I'm speaking from a pastor standpoint, is that those sets of people, we've got to get out of the personality-driven church. Um, You know, Pastor Andrew was a pastor of a mega church. You know, a lot of pastors, I don't pastor a mega church. Um, I know that a lot of people aspire to that um, that position or that plateau. And people don't realize the pressure that comes with that. The, just the pressure financially. You know, um, I have a friend, I'm not going to call his name, but, you know, his weekly budget, weekly budget is a quarter of a million dollars a week. In order to meet his budget, a quarter of a million dollars a week. That's a mega church, huge. That's a whole year's budget for some ministry. It really is. It really is. When you think of the pressure that you have to, you know, carry to because you you've got you know two hundred people on staff and you're trying to pay the, those people a decent salary and. You're trying to take, that is a tremendous amount of pressure. And so when you recognize that personality-driven kind of church, and I can only imagine that Andrew carried the weight of meeting the financial needs. And evidently, some of the things I read is that the church was doing well financially. They were growing. So there was a lot of that. But again, that internal struggle, that pressure, to make that thing work. And um, and I think sometimes we've got to reevaluate where God is taking the church. Okay, that was a powerful statement. You want to talk yeah. about that a little bit no, more before no. we read that letter? No. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's huge. But okay, I'll yes. read the letter. And this is from um, Pastor Andrew's wife. She said, it's only been three days. Nothing can take away the suffocating pain I feel now you are gone. I miss every part of you. I see you everywhere. I replay the events of that fateful day over and over again in my mind, wishing I could have done things differently. Wishing I could have held your hand one more time and prayed over you and told you how much I love you, how much I believe in you, and how God's got this too. You were right all along. I truly didn't understand the depths of your depression and anxiety. I didn't understand how real and how relentless the spiritual attacks were, the pain, the fear, and the turmoil you must have been dealing with every single day is unimaginable. The enemy knew what an amazing man you were. The enemy knew God had huge plans for your life. The enemy saw how God was using your gifts, abilities, and unique teaching style to reach thousands of lives for him. The enemy hated it, and he pursued you incessantly, taunting you and torturing you in ways that you were unable to express to anyone. And she goes on, but that was the the main thing. And then she talks about how she's sorry, sorry that he 
that you were scared, that you felt alone, that you felt misunderstood, that you felt betrayed and deeply hurt. Like just the, it's just so heart wrenching to hear a young mother and a young wife say these things. But when you read this letter, it really does go to the heart of all the things that we're talking about. Today. I know what comes to my mind is that no one understands the the innermost beings of a, of a person like like a wife does. She saw him as he was, where the congregation probably only saw him as he was on the platform. And uh, and I know my wife knows me, and she knows things about me, and she knows what makes me tick and what takes me off. Um, and um, you know, again, I think it comes down to transparency and finding that support system and letting people be, um, it's, it's okay to be, um, you know, broken sometimes and to get the help that, that you, uh, you need. And so when I, when I hear this and I read this letter, immediately what comes to my mind is that this is a woman who saw things that nobody else really saw. And, um, no one really understood. And that's why they were in shock. And I know she's devastated, and I know she was in shock. She never thought it would go to this you know, level of what happened, but she understood what he was going through. And I think that, um, that's what's grieving. That, that's, what, that's what hurts me so much, is that here is a man that she saw his gifts, she saw what he, he brought um, and saw lives change because of his anointing, his teaching. But yet, um, she also saw the, the demons that were attacking him and really took him to a place that he felt like, I, I, I got to end it all. And it, it's grieving. And, and as I, you know, we talked about this and we are talking to our audience today. Holly, I just, I just want people who are listening, you know, if you are struggling with this and you're listening to us, get some help. Talk to someone. Um, find a professional who will understand, who can help you and get you out of the state that you're in because no situation is hopeless. And, you know, the word that we let off with this podcast today is help. There is help for every single person. Who's listening to us? Yes, and you know, I'll just piggyback on that. If you know the, the very things that um, Pastor Andrew's wife mentioned, if you're feeling those things—depression, right. anxiety—if you feel alone or scared or betrayed or whatever it is that you are feeling, even if you are a pastor, yes, you, there is help. Like Pastor Robbie just said, there is help for you. We just want to encourage you. Um, to seek out that help, that there is someone God will put in your path that you can trust, who will genuinely want to help you and bring you through this. And um, I'm, we want to give you guys the um, the suicide prevention hotline number because we want to make sure that if you are listening and you're saying, yes, that is me, that you know at least one place where you can go and start the journey for getting the help. That number is one 800 273 8255. Again, that's 800-273-8255. And um, we just want you to know we love you. We appreciate you. And of course, God loves you more. Yeah, even if you need to reach out to us, 
you know, through our, our podcast, through our website, Facebook, wherever you find Agape in Action. Um, please, you can email us at agapeinaction18 at gmail.com. You know, we'll, we'll reach out to you. You are too important to God. You're too important to your family. Um, you're too important to the kingdom to um, think that there's no help for you. There's no hope for you. And I just hope you um, hear our hearts, um, understand that, you know, we are really saddened by this story. And that's kind of why we brought it to you on this podcast today. But we, we never want that to happen to anyone who is listening to us. Let us help you. And we just encourage you to get the help that you need. So we just um, we want you to know you're loved. And God loves you. And we love you. And I know your family loves you. And there's help for you. And so uh, we hope that everybody who's listening today really um, hears our heart. And never, uh, never let yourself get too busy that you don't recognize the signs of the depression, anxiety that people may be going through. Yeah, and I was going to say, if you're someone saying, how can I help? Um, number one, we ask that you pray for Pastor Andrew's family. Yes. Um, I believe he has three young sons and his wife. So pray for them. But also then pray for your pastor and just pastors who, because there, I'm sure there are more. As time goes on, we're going to find out there are more pastors who are battling these same issues that we were learning Pastor Andrew fought. And so pray for your pastor. When something goes wrong, don't throw stones at him. Pray for him or her. I keep saying him, but him or her, because there are a lot of, of, um, and certainly, and this is another conversation for another day, I'm sure our um, women pastors face a lot of of challenges, even just being a a woman in that position. But regardless, whoever your pastor is, pray for them. No matter what, even if you think you feel an offense, pray for them because you do not know everything that they're going through. That's right. All right. So let me give you this number one more time in case you missed it. It's 1-800-273-8255. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of the Agape in Action podcast today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave Holly and Robbie a review. Find out more about the Agape in Action podcast, their story, and featured guests on Twitter at Agape in Action 18 or by emailing them at agapeinaction18 at gmail.com.